But thank you all for coming by, and uh, we are pleased to have uh, Megan Grant on the podcast today. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> so one thing I have to keep in mind, though, uh, is that this is intentionally for audio audience for podcasts. Like, I do a lot of visuals, so no one's going to see it. <laughs> so don't be afraid to be verbal. Um, Megan has a YouTube channel, which I'm kind of jealous about, to be honest, and I don't think I've ever told you this before. I remember what? when you were half my size in audience size in uh, subscribers and so when we first started talking and you were like at 400 and something i was like subscriber 438 or something like that uh -huh. and you blew past me so fast and I i'm kind of jealous but it was awesome because uh you are really good at what you do so it's uh thank you it's, it was pretty cool um, thank I'm not you i remember those... us talking about that yeah i'm not i'm not one of those ventral people yeah. Okay, that's good to know. And, and you put a hell of a lot more effort in your channel than I do, so. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think people generally don't know how much time it takes to do all that from start to finish. Yeah. And you look at other YouTubers doing it and it looks so easy. And then you do it yourself. And as you have now seen, audio and lighting and that <laughs> my thing. So everything is a project with that. But I remember us talking about it. You were about to hit a thousand subs, mm -hmm. and then because um, we were talking about monetization. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yep, and you cooked right past me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. You know, it speeds right. up as you go. Um, I think one of my biggest issues is that uh, I don't really have the time to do a lot of stuff that I want to do. Um, I maintain five blogs, three YouTube channels, a Twitch stream. I'm writing an ebook. I write Despair for Creative Sanctuary, which is an audiobook. Mm -hmm. And I would like to get my actual novel seven done. So uh, I got so much to do. And the last video, it took me, the resume one took me three hours to do. But I did a video on uh, the 10 best free uh, word keyword tools i think it was it was a couple yeah. weeks a couple months ago it took me that. six hours I'm like there's no way i could dump that much time into one video when i have so much other stuff to do plus i'm trying to keep green geeks above water so yeah um, but yeah but, uh, kudos to you i think you're doing great uh, i think thank it's you. it's pretty awesome to, to see your growth so thank you you are very welcome okay real quick um uh, we're going to chat before uh, we get too far behind here. Um, let's see. Da, 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 not okay, Ron. Not that I am so bright and educated myself. Ah, no worries, don't Ron. Uh, Diana says, Michael, did you say auto known or auto know as in I don't know? Baha. Yeah, funny. <laughs> I don't know. I might have. Um, Diana asks, Megan, where are you from? I'm initially from Michigan, but I've been living in Las Vegas for the past 11 years, I think. Nice. Las Vegas. I, yeah. I went through Vegas on the way home when I was coming back from L.A. I uh, stopped off at the MGM Grand. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, didn't really. I, I, I lost 20 bucks. Well, <laughs> normally how it goes. Yeah. Well, I, think that's the only, I flew over Las Vegas a few times. Like, uh, it's beautiful at night. Oh, like I never got to do that at night, but in the morning, or in the early morning, the flight that I took, 
gave me the perfect shot of the Hoover Dam. So it was like mm-hmm. amazing from where I was. I was. Like that is so cool. It is. It's amazing, especially if you uh, fly in at night. That's like it never gets old because you you hit a point where you're flying over the state yeah. and it's pitch black, 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 and then all of a sudden it's just lights everywhere. Nice. And it happens like that. Um, cool. That's a cool view. That's pretty neat. Um, let's see. Uh, Doc says thanks, and Lon, hi Lon, and Mom here. Cool, that's my stepdad, Mom. All right, there. Oh, okay, so let me get into my first question while we wait for um, Chris. Is how did you get started as a freelancer? Um, was it like uh, so you decided I'm going to do this, or <laughs> did you have a plan? It was kind of, not by accident, but I didn't even know it was a thing that you could get paid to write. I've always loved writing, but it was always a hobby. And one day years ago, I was still in Michigan, it was like over 12 years ago at this point, my aunt's neighbor's son was like, he was kind of dabbling in it, and he recommended this book, which you'd think I'd remember the title of it because it changed everything, but I can't. And it was all about making money as a freelance writer and getting started. I was like, people get paid for this? Um, And that's where it all started. And I, you know, I got my first big job on uh, guru.com. And honestly, like at the time, I was just figuring it out on my own, how to get paid and find clients. And that's where it all started. What, What was that? When? Yeah. 12 years ago, so... 2010? 2009? Yeah, about... It was between 2009 and 2010, because that was shortly before I moved to Vegas. Yeah, um, yeah just the thought had never even occurred to me that you could get paid for it. I didn't know either, and that was 2012 when I started. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you're always taught that it's a hobby, and, you know, there's this, like, perpetuating stereotype of the starving artist, and writing yeah. isn't a, li- it's in a job. Still to this day, like, every now and then, if I tell someone I'm a writer, within the last six months, I've had at least one person that was like, well, but what do you do to pay your bills? I replied to a dating app this morning where I said, I'm a freelance writer, and yes, I bought my house. Just to put that out there that I'm not starving. <laughs> yeah, they, they hear freelance writer and they think you're broke. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I don't live in mommy's basement. I have my own house. Mm-hmm. It's a big yard. It can, it can work. You got to play your cards right, but it's absolutely possible. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Neo Soul Writer asks, mm-hmm. good evening, everyone. Megan, how did the pandemic help or hinder your business with customers and pricing? Well, so that's a great question. Um, in March of 2020, which is crazy to say, um, within the span of about a week, I lost more than half my clients. I need to stop saying I lost them. They all paused, they paused their services. And I, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people here can relate to this. You spend years and so many of us were in this boat. You spend years building up this career and like that. Yeah. And it's totally out of your control. It wasn't even anything you did wrong. Um, and I was just like beside myself, but what can you do? So 
at the time, because I had so much free time on my hands, I worked on some other projects. That was when I really built my program, Revenue Spark. I did that during the pandemic. Because oh. I finally had the time to do it. <laughs> and, um, and then eventually all my clients came back. They kind of like came back with a vengeance. And then more <laughs> clients came and we're doing better than ever now. Nice. Yeah. But it's, I don't, I don't know if anyone's, well, I shouldn't say that, but my, this business was definitely not pandemic proof. Um, amazingly, I actually increased business <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, like for Green Geeks, especially, uh, web hosting. Yeah. It was like everybody, I felt bad because everybody's getting laid off and I'm like, I have so much work that I have no idea what to do. I, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> A good problem to have. Yeah. To a point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, but it, it's good for you that you were able to, to maintain that even through the pandemic because. Yeah. Yeah. It could have gone either way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. okay. So what exactly is Revenue Spark and how does it help people? Uh, so Revenue Spark is the program I built where people can copy my exact process for landing clients. Um, you know, I teach them a very genuine way to do it. There's no automation. There's no emailing hundreds of strangers. It's about building real relationships with your dream clients and, uh, helping you build a sustainable revenue and income. Um, so I've got, you know, I've got all types of client-based professionals, uh, enrolled. We've got freelancers, freelance writers. Um, I have a safety expert, a parenting coach, all nice. sorts of people. And, um, yeah, it just gives them kind of a no BS process that they can follow. They can copy it step by step. And, um, it's been an amazing experience. There are people who landing their first clients in three weeks nice. and, um, they don't have to go back to their, their old desk job. They can do what they want for a living. It's like, this really, when you think about it, it's like about Finding that freedom more than anything. This includes some of that, because um, I know you have a lot of videos on cold pitch emails. Mm -hmm. And I send a lot of people your way because I never had to worry about that. I I kind of just uh, sit and wait for them to come to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I sent a lot of people to your uh, cold pitch emails. And that's kind of what's included in that, right? Well, so the a lot of people find me for cold emailing, yes. And that is... Um, how I started building my business. But over the years, I started to, you know, kind of make that process more efficient because I was getting burned out having to email so many people. I wanted yeah. to have conversations. So the process, it's not technically cold emailing. It's you LinkedIn outreach combined with warm emailing is what I call wow. it. Um, so, you know, I'm still, I still am a fan of cold emailing. That's where all of this started. <laughs> but the way I do it now is I've found and my students have found more efficient. Nice. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. That's I get uh, inquiries all the time from LinkedIn still. But I have to turn them down because I'm like way too busy. I'm like there's no way I could help you dude. But here you go to this place. <laughs> yeah. That's a good problem. What are they, what are they calling them? Uh, champagne problems? First world like, problems. <laughs> first world that, that too, yeah. It's a good problem to have to be yeah. turning down work. Um, okay, here's a question from Ron. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you ever published on Amazon KDP? If yes, what is your opinion of KDP? That's funny you should ask that because I actually, I've written a few books and after trying for years and years to get 
a literary agent and not getting one. I just self-published my first book, I want to say a couple months ago, a month and a half. Yeah. Um, I found KDP incredibly easy, like user-friendly. The one part that is gives me a hard time is formatting your cover, your cover art. Yeah. Um, but they make it super user-friendly. Um, personally, I think the royalties are pretty good. Um, and it makes it accessible. Of course, because the barrier to entry is so low, that means <laughs> that like everybody's doing it. But I'm happy I did it. Cool. Yeah, um, I was initially started write. Uh, I started writing my ebook back in February, I think it was, because Ron was asking about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm sure. Let's crank one out and see what happens, because uh, I'm gonna go through the entire process of KDP and uh -huh. um, do videos and blog posts. It's gonna give me a slew of content. So that was like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I've been too busy, and uh, I'm still working on it. <laughs> but I'm almost done, so. Oh, oh, that's right. exciting. No, nah, especially when you bounce as much crap as I do. Alrighty. Yeah. Um, oh, so you've talked about uh, building up a six-figure content agency before. I saw you um, post that on uh, your social. Mm -hmm. um, how long did it take you to get to that point, and what were your biggest hurdles? Uh, it was, I want to say shortly after the pandemic started, when clients started coming back, that, um, actually I didn't realize how close I was to being on track for six figures. Mm. And then, and then I, I was, and now I'm consistently hitting those numbers every month. Um, so, uh, to be honest though, it took way longer than it could have. <laughs> um, I have a huge problem with undercharging. I, I, it's that imposter syndrome. It's the fear that they can go get it way cheaper. Um, so that's something I'm always working on. And, uh, also, you know, I have a small team or a team of three right now, including me. And, um, you know, I know how to produce quality content. My clients are super happy, but there's also hiring, training, teaching them everything they need to know. And they're great. Like they don't, I don't need to hold their hands at all, but there's still a learning curve there with managing people. Yeah. Because um, really the challenge becomes keeping up with the workload um, yeah. without burning myself out, which I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't so, know what that's yeah. like at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I've come close a couple times to burnout. Um, but I am a writer, so I just keep going. Um, and if for anybody who's watching, you can check out uh, Megan's Revenue Spark program that's on her website and click it, click it from the description down below. Thank you. Um, okay, let's see. If you could change anything from your past when developing your business, what would it be? Aside from suffering through imposter syndrome because every writer has that. Oh man, that was a big one. Um, I would have gotten it through my head sooner the difference between working smart and working hard hmm. um because i'm a workhorse i always have been just like my mom <laughs> we to get more we work more yeah. and you work longer hours and you work weekends and i don't want to do that anymore <laughs> i'm tired i want to live and there's a huge hard work will get you really far and you have to have it yeah. you have to have that work ethic but there is definitely something to be said for working smart because at a certain point, you will plateau, working hard will not take you any further, and you have to start thinking differently. If I had done that years ago, 
I probably would have saved myself a lot of grief, but live and learn. Yeah, that's that's one of my biggest things is that uh, I wish I would have actually put more effort into exploring private clients and stuff because I was pretty stuck into doing content mills. I was pretty happy. I was making, mm-hmm. I made tens of thousands of dollars just on Textbooker alone and they kept me busy and I really didn't need anything more. But now I'm looking back thinking, God, you know, where would I be today if I actually put in more effort back in even 2014, two years after I started? So, yeah, it's, never know what you could do if you don't do it. Yeah, I mean, really, starting your own business really kind of forces you to, you know, stretch, like, push through some of those boundaries, or it gives you the choice to. Um, And there's always, you know, there's pros and cons to both, like, I could have kept doing what I was doing, and um, I would have made it work, but I think I would have been very tired and very burnt out and working with clients that I didn't like so much. Yeah. So sometimes it has to change. We've all had them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've blacklisted many. No, uh, but you have to. You have to have those boundaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do now. I'm mean. Ah! <laughs> Nowadays. <laughs> Alrighty, what would you say to people who are timid when it comes to cold pitch emails? Now, this one kind of is uh, kind of hits home for me because uh, when it comes to stuff like that, because that imposter syndrome does come into play, and you're thinking to yourself, God, do I want to send this? I mean, what sets me apart from everybody else? Like nowadays, I don't really um, fill out that much, but back in the day, uh-huh. yeah, there's no way back in 2012 that I would even considered sending a cold email. I know, and it's funny because I used to be that way, and now I'm not at, at all. And sometimes my student, like I said, we're not doing cold pitching, but they, my students, I do teach them how to reach out in a message on LinkedIn. And some of them will come back to me, and they're like, I'm terrified. I have the message drafted up. And I was like, okay, send it. And I forget that fear of reaching out to a stranger. Um, one thing I tell myself, and I, I still tell myself this if I'm going after like a really big client, the answer is always no until you ask. Yeah. And I remind myself that they're not, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but they're not special. Yeah. <laughs> they're just human in the way that I'm human and you're human. And we're just two people having a conversation. And if they say no, okay, maybe our paths will cross, you know, down the line. If not, cool. But it's just two people having a conversation. That is it. And they're not better than you. You know, I'm always telling my students, it's you and the client. You're not working for a boss. You're not applying for a job. Yeah. You're this. And it's you're, It's definitely a, a mindset thing. Like, we think we, you know, sh- should I do it? Am I, am I ready for this? It's like, you're ready. So <laughs> send the message. Well, it's like my, uh, my ex-sister-in-law used to say, um, what are they going to do? Take away your birthday? No, I love that. She's right. She's right. What's the worst that could happen? So, Neil Soulwriter asks, Megan, uh, Megan, Michael, and Chris gave their opinions. What are thoughts on content mills? Uh-huh. So, you, you know how I feel about content mills. Uh, Chris uh-huh. and I both have done quite well on them. Um, I did have to push really hard to be the success I was on them. But mm-hmm. not everybody can push like I did. So I already know your opinion of them, but I'll let you go ahead and go ahead and shoot. <laughs> um, so to be perfectly honest, I'm not a fan 
Um, I have had people like Michael, a few people have reached out and they were like, well, I had a great experience. And there are those few unicorns who I think are the exception to the rule. So I'm thrilled when you tell me that you're doing well on content mills. Go you. And if that works for you, like, do it. Um, but I feel like, I feel like you, you were like the exception to the rule. And again, I'm happy for you that you are. Yeah. Um, most people that come to me by that point, they're, they're at the end of their rope and they say it's not working because they didn't know how to push like you. Um, well, there's, there's, also... yeah, there's, there's no doubt that, uh, private clients will give you way more money. I've made way more money on private clients than I ever did on a content mill. So there is, yeah. there is that aspect to it. So yeah, I, I, mean, I completely understand where you come from when you, when you, uh, when you did your video on it and when you make comments on, uh, Twitter, uh, uh, Twitter, the Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, I'm getting Twitch, I'm getting Twitch and, oh, Twitter mixed up. Oh my God. It just, it almost did again. But so like, I don't ever like attack you for it or anything like that because I do understand your, your point of view for it. So. Mm -hmm. No, no, like I can honestly say this, another guy, he reached out to me. I posted on LinkedIn about Upwork oh. and how I wasn't a fan of it. And someone commented on it and he told me I've made a fortune off of Upwork. And I said, and hand to God, I meant it. I was like, good, good for you. I am glad because nothing pisses me off like writers being underpaid. And that's, you know, I don't think, and I've said this before, I don't think job boards, bidding sites, content mills, I don't think they're inherently bad. Yeah. In fact, I love anything that helps writers and other professionals find work because people want to work. They want to earn a paycheck, but it's the way people use them and how they've become known to buyers, to clients as the place to go get cheap work. Yeah. But then the quality suffers and then the rates go down and it just, it's just this cycle. And that's what uh, about it. Cause like it could be better for more people Yeah. generally. When I, when I first started, I was on freelance, uh, was it freelancer.com? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was one of the ones where you actually put in the bid of how much you would do the job for. Yeah. I was watching people hit the bid so low just so they can get the job to where it's no longer worth it. You'd make more money scrounging for change in the parking lot. I mean, yeah. don't, that that's why, I, yeah, well, that's why I started pushing, don't short change yourself. That's yeah. why I, that's why I like uh, systems like Textbroker because you're, it's always a set amount. You don't have to bid against anybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, Upwork, I have a thing against Upwork, and they know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's some bad blood there. Anyway, <laughs> Catherine, yeah, Catherine asks, "Hi Megan, do you think there are any niches that require a degree in order to get clients?" It's a really good question. Um, uh, yeah. That's... I want to say like, yes and no, because if you're going after something like, like the medical field, yeah, there we go. which that in and of itself is really, really broad. So Catherine, in, in to answer that, I would say, okay, let's say you want to do medical writing. I would say, well, what kind? Because I think that there are sub niches within medical writing that you could just self-educate and you'd be just fine. But if you want to be writing 
very specifically, like very highly scientific, heavily researched, then some, then yeah, like you're, you know, they're probably going to be looking for someone who has that medical background, which means you'll have had a degree or you have a degree. Um, but I think overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly these days you do not. Yeah. Like, um, I don't even look for, I'm hiring for a writers too. And I don't even look at their degrees. I'm like, the only thing I'm looking for is experience and if you can use WordPress. <laughs> yep, that's how so much of it I feel like comes down to. Ex my degree was in communications, which means absolutely nothing. <laughs> and my clients, I mean, they're all over the place. What? Fine arts. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it does, it will biggest waste of money. Um, my clients have never asked about a, a degree. I don't, you know, the, my clients, I have a lot in the health and fitness fields. Don't have a degree in that. I have personal experience. Mm -hmm. I write for a lot of digital marketing related brands. I don't have a, a degree, but I have personal experience. I have enough, more than enough. And that comes through your writing. They know if you're BSing it or if you know what you're talking about. Yeah. But I didn't need a degree for any of that. Yeah, it's 2021. You can learn anything through Google. Yep. Just to make sure you're... YouTube. Just make sure you're learning from the right people. <laughs> yeah, that's Ooh. another thing. Everyone's, you know, anyone can post anything online, but if you know where to look and you know what the reputable sources are, I think you can teach yourself almost anything. Yeah, you I know, don't or they're think, in the neighborhood. I don't think there's actually a topic that I had a hard time finding, uh, learning when I was doing the content most, because I covered everything from animals to travel. And my favorite, I loved writing articles about Machu Picchu. Never been to Peru, yeah. but you wouldn't know it from my article. No. <laughs> all comes you from Google. <laughs> one of my oldest clients, um, there's two companies. One's a drug testing company, and the other one's a preventative health vaccine clinic. Yeah. And the president, the owner, who's, you know, he's got super high standards, understandably. Early on, one day, he we were at, in his office, and he was like, this, are you in this field? And I was like, what field? <laughs> and he asked if I worked in, in their field because I sound like I work in their field. And I was like, no, I just, you know how to change your voice and research and I learned. Cool. Um, let's see. Now we got one from Milan and mom. Uh, uh -huh. Not to change the subject, but what is your personal and professional opinion about self-publishing? Now we kind of touched this a little bit earlier, but um, mm -hmm. overall, um, what would you rather do? Uh, because I know the situation, but what's going on here, but, um, so I don't want to go too far into it because I don't want to dox anything, <laughs> but, um, what would, you haven't had one published through a house though, have you? Have you, you haven't gone through a house. All, all of your stuff has been through self-publishing and it was really easy. Um, yeah. So what would, what is your personal and professional opinion about it? Um, I hated the idea up until recently because I believe that the only legitimate way to be published was through a literary agent because they've got the connections, they've got the editors, they've got the big publishing houses like Penguin and Random House. Like they're, yeah. that's, if you get an agent, it's like, you, you didn't, you didn't make it, but you made it to like the top 1%. And I never got there. And so some after a few people gave me that nudge and they were like just try self-publishing and i did and like i said earlier i'm glad i did it i will say that 
if you're going to choose to do it on your own, you publish it on your own, you market it on your own, you sell it on your own, you promote it on your own, you are 100% responsible for all of it because the sales aren't just going to fall into your lap unless you already have a huge following. So be prepared for all of that. But overall, I'm glad I did it and I'll probably do it again. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Diana says, Michael has the best writing channel on YouTube. Well, yes, he does. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, don't be modest. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Because of that one, what are a few of your best tips for newbies wanting to spruce up their LinkedIn profiles? We talked about LinkedIn earlier, and what? I am a huge fan of LinkedIn. Um, you, you get all kinds of inquiries from people you probably didn't even realize. Like, I got hit up by Slack here in Denver, uh, who is, uh, uh, produces a chat software, um, and... Cloudflare and one other one, like some big names are coming at me. I'm like, and that was all through LinkedIn. So I, I love it. But what would you be, what, what are some good tips for you for sprucing up their LinkedIn profiles? Are we talking about people who are self-employed or business owners? Uh, kind of like freelance writers who are trying right. to get, trying to land, um, or trying to get clients to actually see them through LinkedIn. Okay. So the first thing, it's funny, I actually have a video, another video on this coming up. Um, the first thing is that you have to remember that you are not applying for a job as an employee. You are a business owner. A lot of freelance writers don't know that they're business owners. So your LinkedIn page is no longer a resume. It's a sales page. So you are not trying to convince an employer of why they should hire you. You are communicating again, you and the clients or potential clients. You are trying to convey to them what they stand to gain from you, why they should care, why you're, you know, why you are the expert, why they need you. You are selling yourself, you're selling your business. So that's the first thing. Um, and really that just comes down to like shifting the language that you use. Hmm. Um, another big thing is to remember that LinkedIn is a search engine. It's like Google, not nearly as robust, <laughs> but it is. So if you think of how people use LinkedIn when they want to hire a freelancer, let's say, they go on LinkedIn and they search freelance writer or something like that. And LinkedIn delivers a page of search results. You can optimize your profile page to show up higher in search results because LinkedIn is a search engine. And you have videos for that already or you're, you're getting ready to upload one? Yep, no, I have a video on LinkedIn optimization and then I actually have a free guide to it. Um, so if anyone's interested in that, it's, it's on my YouTube page or if I can, you know, Everyone here is welcome to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll send it to you um, or anywhere else. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I've got a free guide that just lays it out step by step how to do it. And um, it's awesome. those little changes that make a huge difference. So when you, when you set up your, um, uh, the intro, I can't remember what they call it now. It's kind of like the uh, description of uh, your profile. The summary? The yeah, about? there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, back in the day... I saw advice that you should write it in third person. Does it really matter, do you think? I think, when I see that, I'm like, I know you wrote it. Like, um, <laughs> no, I think make it real, uh, talk like a human, but, you know, talk talk about yourself, talk about your business, but no, I would not do that. Yeah, cool. 
Uh, let's see. Neil Solrider asks, Megan, aside from self-publishing, are there any other ways you plan on expanding your business? Yeah. Um, so my agencies, I have a content agency and it's chugging along. It's growing. Our team is growing. Um, so my plan is to put better processes in place so that I can remove myself from it a little bit because it is 100% dependent on me, hmm. which is not a good place to be in. So I have a lot of work to do there. And then the other big thing is my program, my YouTube channel. I want to help as many people as I can learn how to go out and find their dream clients. Because really, we talked about this earlier, it's about finding clients. Yes. But you know, like, I don't want to speak for you, but like, I know I started my own business so that I could control my time. I could control my income. I could run the show. Hmm. And that's why a lot of us are doing this. And that's really what it's about. I started to offset my piddly income as a network administrator in the Sterling School District. $8 an hour for a family of four doesn't go far. What? <laughs> so that's, that's, cool. that's why I started writing. But, uh, no, it's it's awesome because I have my own office, and right now I am the content marketing team lead of Green Geeks, and I do have writers underneath me. But also, I have I, I pay one writer to help me on the green blog that I have, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping to add more later on. So, yeah, there is a business aspect that I completely love it. Um, I do miss writing uh, for Green Geeks like I used to. Because nowadays it's mostly editing, but yeah. that's why I have five blogs so I can keep writing. <laughs> so. You got plenty to keep you busy. Five blogs. I'm working on three books. Um, let's see what do we got. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts about setting a professional blog, and has it made a difference in acquiring clients? Yeah. So blogging, I think. Anyone who tries to tell me that blogging is dead or blogging doesn't work, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think we've both done videos. I think we've both done videos on that. <laughs> yeah, some people, but because you know what it is, we live in this digital age where people want that instant gratification. Oh yeah. If you think about the social media apps like TikTok, like Instagram, think of how the way people, how people use them. They're doing this. We have no patience anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's a marathon, and you have to be willing to stick to it. But when you do, my blog absolutely brings me traffic. It brings me quality traffic because a lot of my LinkedIn blogs do. My blogs about LinkedIn, they do really well. And then um, for my clients, some of them are, are monetizing it. Their blogs that I write sell product and their blogs are ranking on page one and getting the Google snippet. And that is valuable. That's valuable traffic. So it do works. You, do you get a lot of clients through your blog or do they all just reach through... Um, email or LinkedIn? I Most of the clients I'm finding, and then um, I do get some inbound leads on LinkedIn, people who just, you know, find me because I'm producing content and I've optimized my profile and they reach yeah. out because they need content. Um, but I don't rely on that. So it's, I'm, I'm hunting them down. <laughs> <laughs> Almost sounds like you're getting ready to snipe somebody. <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> um, okay. So, Oh, here we go. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, I know you've done videos on this before, but what helps you get past imposter syndrome? Because that's that's a big one for a lot of people. It is. And, you know, it's, it's funny because 
this, I feel like this is not helpful advice at all. Um, I really just have to talk myself up. And I will tell myself, you are hot, S-H-I-T. You know exactly what you're doing. You, you don't are have worth to, every penny. Don't worry about centering yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I did not say they would like flag the, the stream or something. No. Um, we don't care. And really, <laughs> okay. I tell myself, sometimes I'll say that out loud. I'll be like, you are hot shit. And for me, it has been a little bit of fake it till you make it. Because the only way to start changing those beliefs that you have about yourself that are telling you you're not good enough, mm-hmm. you don't deserve to be doing this, those beliefs are the result of thoughts that you've had on repeat for years. Yeah. And so you have to change the way you talk to yourself, which will change your thoughts, which will change your beliefs. And so because I got in the habit of doing that, now when I say, I'm a bad bitch, I believe it. Yeah. Because I am. That's a hell of a lot simpler than I went through. <laughs> I took a long time to get there, but... It really, it's like, sometimes my students will say, well, how do I get past this? And I'll be like, you just do it. <laughs> Which is not a very satisfying answer, I know. But it's, um, you just got to start talking yourself up. And also remember that, you know, you are offering a service that literally nobody else can do exactly like you can. Yeah. There might be yeah. other writers out there, but none of them, literally none, can write just like you. Everybody's unique. Yep. And that's valuable. So why shouldn't you be doing this? Yeah. Pretty simple. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's simple. Yeah. Um, ah, here's one. I know you like Trello. Um, how effective do you think project management apps are for beginners? So I, think if you I know find the right one. like right now you use Trello to manage your team, but what about somebody who's just starting out? Um, I used Trello just starting. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. So I started with Wonderlist, which Microsoft bought, I believe. And it was just an online to-do list. And prior to that, when I didn't have that much work, I was just writing down what I had to do for the day on a post-it note. Oh, God, it's so shameful. (laughs) So I went from the post-it note, I graduated to Wonderlist, and then they went bye-bye. So I still have an online to-do list. Todoist, that's what it's called. It's called Todoist. Yeah, yeah I think you have and a video on that too. I do, and it's great. But then to manage all my, my assignments from my team, we still use Trello. I have a free version of Trello, and it's all drag and drop. Um, you can set recurring tasks, uh, and I'm not opposed to paying for it when the day comes and I'm like, oh, this isn't enough, or maybe switch to something a little more robust. But honestly, like, there are project management tools like Asana and Monday and Rike that have all the bells and whistles. Um, if you've got a bigger team, if you have departments mm-hmm. and there's more work going around, I could see the need for that. But, um, you know, a lot of my clients use those platforms and uh, they're, they're much bigger companies than mine. So for right now, Trello has been more yeah. than enough. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the free version of Asana. Uh, you can add up mm-hmm. to 15 team members and have unlimited projects. So it's, it works great for what we do for blogging. So, yeah, right. I, I'm a big fan of using uh, productivity apps, especially from the get-go, because you had Post-it notes. I had a notebook. <laughs> yeah. I still have a notebook on my desk. Yep. I still you... have Post-it notes, just like for little <laughs> reminders. Though. I don't rely on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have one right here, actually. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, Diana says, we never censor ourselves. Apparently, Otto is um, a fan of Cloudflare. Yes, he is. <laughs> Actually, I have two websites going through Cloudflare. Um, I'm very cool. impressed with how professional chat has been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to see... Uh, you, you have to watch one of our Friday live streams. I have yet to, cur uh, to curse. I think the more professional side of me is here. So... Yeah. Otherwise, we're uh, we're as vulgar as uh, a pair of drunken pirates on shore leave. <laughs> it's <laughs> it gets pretty bad some days. <laughs> uh, so don't feel you have to censor yourself because we don't give a shit. Okay, Megan, <laughs> Nielsen writer, Megan and Michael, you have touched on this, but what do you think prevents a freelance writer from being successful? What do you, do you want me to take that? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, undercharging. Oh, yeah. Because that's, I think... That's a big one. It is. And especially because I will always argue that writing is part art, part science. But what I've seen from all the writers I've worked with, and I used to be the same way, they think writing is art, which it is partly, but art doesn't pay well. Yeah. And we undervalue ourselves. And because clients can get it for so cheap, we know that we're competing with that. But really, it just comes down to finding your niche, positioning yourself as an expert, and charging what you are worth. And if that means some clients you walk away from, walk away. You have to be worth your time. So I think that's, honestly, that's the biggest thing is that undercharging that I think stems from undervaluing yourself and like imposter syndrome and worrying about the competition don't worry about the competition they're not your problem um and also not knowing how to find work uh there are lots of great writers out there who are amazing at what they do but they don't know how to find paying work yeah. and you have lots of options out there um but especially in the beginning it's not going to fall into your lap okay so no, and writers, like, we're really good at writing, but we don't realize that when we start to work for ourselves, you also have to be good at sales. And you say that to a writer, oh, you have to start selling, and they're like, oh, no, I don't do sales. You do now. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Yeah, I, I, even uh, when you use a system like Textbroker, you still got to fill out your profile a certain way. You have to interact with the client. There's a lot of upselling that you do on content mills, too, so... Yeah. Uh, no matter where you go to write, you're going to have to do some kind of interaction to boost yourself up. Yeah. Otherwise, Absolutely. the internet is saturated with uh, saturated with writers, even though the vast majority of them shouldn't be writing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you have a lot of competition, so you got to make yourself stand out. Yeah, you do. And that's another thing. we I mentioned this a moment ago, but picking a niche hmm. or a niche, however you say it, um, a lot of writers are scared to do that because they're like, oh, I don't want to exclude anyone. You know, I don't want to limit myself when really trying to write for everyone. Um, and again, Michael, I would say maybe you're the exception to this. Um, yeah, there's not very many that can do what I do. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, but I know like when writers come to me for help and I say, who do you write for? What's your niche? And they say, well, everyone. And I think, no, no, no. Because clients aren't going to pay a lot of money for a writer who knows a little bit about their industry, they don't care if you know about other industries. They want to yeah. know what you know about their industry. So if you go to them and you say, I'm a health writer or a fashion writer or whatever, 
and that is your thing, that's all you write about, and you know their culture and their language and their slang and their terminology, you can charge so much more. And you get to write about stuff you enjoy. They'll throw way more money at you. Yeah, exactly, because you're an expert. Yep. You're not a generalist. Um, Neo asks, what programs do you recommend for invoicing? It's PayPal. Some of my clients um, have their own you know, platforms or software that they use, so I use those. But almost everyone requests to pay me through PayPal. Yeah, I've been using PayPal since 2003. <laughs> I have yeah, a- everyone recognizes it. I have a PayPal debit card, a business debit card. So as soon as someone pays me, I have instant cash. I can go pay some bills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One thing I will say about PayPal, and like you could say this about many other platforms, um, when you get paid, leave some money in there. Have a small balance, like especially if you use PayPal to pay for stuff. Mm-hmm. But take the money out and put it in your bank. Yep. Because as long as it's in PayPal, they technically control it. And thank God this has never been an issue for me, but should you have a client who files a complaint or whatever PayPal uh, calls it. A reversal. Yeah. Yeah. That can happen in extreme cases. So just take the money out when you get it. That's the only thing. And the fees, um, of course there are fees. There's going to be fees for every platform you use. Um, check with obviously your local an accountant where you live, but you can normally deduct those or a portion yep. of them as an expense. Yep. Um, God, there's a lot of things you can deduct as an expense for taxes as a writer. <laughs> I oh, kind of, yeah. I kind of touched a little bit on it. I think it was Monday or last podcast, last Friday, where I was like, "Yeah, my keyboard, my monitors, my light." <laughs> oh, tech, absolutely. Yeah, there's all Here's kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Otto says Megan's website is running on Cloudflare. Sweet. He built have, it. I've got. Perfect. Two that use Cloudflare, uh, Cloudflare for the CDN. I build mine on Green Geeks web hosting, <laughs> but we I use Cloudflare for the CDN. It's pretty uh, cool how clean he was telling me because previously I had built my website myself, so it was obviously terrible. But I built it on WordPress, and I didn't yeah. realize that there was all this junk and like extra code on my website. And it was a terrible website. Yeah. And um, now with it, with the way he built it, and it's on Cloudflare, it's like, it just functions like a well-oiled machine. There's no nice. friction, no garbage on it. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Mio has one more here. Which one is more beneficial, having a niche or being dis- diverse as a writer? Okay, so she, she kind of touched on this a minute ago. Um, there is, I, uh, so I, I don't want to say that I, I, I disagree, but I disagree from the perspective of being who I am. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really good at being able to bounce everywhere and learn things extremely quick. Um, but there are, there is something to be said about sticking to a specific niche because they, well, like, uh, I t- talked about earlier where I'm hiring for Green Geeks, I'm looking for somebody who knows WordPress. I need somebody who can write WordPress tutorials. I don't care if you're a blog, if, uh, if you have a blog about gardening. It doesn't. It shows me you could write, but can you tell me if you're able to install a plugin? <laughs> yeah. So, um, is there anything more you would want like to add to being having a niche or being diverse? No, that's uh, my. You know, I still have the same thoughts on that. I would always recommend. Almost yeah. always recommend having a niche. Um, I do too. Even though I'm a generalist, I still um, 
it it takes a lot of work to be what I do to be what I am. So it's not yeah. like I woke up one morning and said I can write anything. Oh God, no! It took me no. a long time to get to this point. So, yeah. what, but if you stick to a specific niche, I mean, that if that's all you're focused on, then yeah, you'd be an expert pretty damn quick. Yeah, and especially like a lot of people don't realize this, but you might have something you're already an expert of and you just don't realize it. Yeah. So for instance, I've got one student that enrolled, brand new to writing, but we started with picking your niche. And I said, what do you love? What do you know a lot about? What do you love learning about and talking about? And she said, pets, animals, pet health, pet wellness. So she became a pet writer. Yeah, and she's doing like, she's kicking ass. And she didn't realize that she could combine that passion and that knowledge and that history with her writing. She was thinking more like, she's thinking very academic about it. Like, well, I, I haven't studied, mm. studied anything in like a traditional sense. You don't have to study it in a traditional <laughs> sense. I Most people studied. haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've got a lot of personal experience with it, it's probably profitable. Yeah. That's, uh, I, when I was jumping into different niches, I, found that I liked a lot more things than I thought I did. Like, I love writing about travel. Um, I had a, a habit, or a, my cup of tea was uh, business and marketing, SEO, mm -hmm. and website development back when I started. So, the, yeah, find something you're really liking, knowledgeable about, and you can go pretty far with it. You can, and you'll be happy, too. Like, if you get to write about something that you love, Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I love writing about fitness related topics and, you know, I, like I said, I do a lot of writing about digital marketing. I love it because it's something I have a personal interest in and I have tons of experience with. Um, so writing those blogs, it's fun. You get paid mm. to have fun. Yeah. That's like, I love it. I, I wrote mm -hmm. something about that today on Buy Me Coffee where it's like, you know, as cliche as it might sound or that you've probably heard it hundreds of thousands of times before, but find a job that you'd absolutely love because then it doesn't feel like work if you're more than happy to, well, I'm doing that experiment starting on September 1st where I'm writing essentially 90 blog posts within 30 days. I love doing it though, so it's not going to feel like it's work and I'm happy to sacrifice my weekend. I have no life anyway. <laughs> as long as it brings you joy. Exactly. <laughs> Um, okay, and we have the last one here that I have. I was hoping Chris would have joined us by now, but Sam says he chickened out. <laughs> so if you're watching, Chris, slacker. Uh, what is the number one piece of advice you'd give to new freelancers looking to start their entrepreneurial careers? Treat it like a business, not a hobby, because it's no longer just a hobby. Um, learn about money, learn about negotiating, learn about sales, learn about marketing, branding. Um, some of that stuff might sound super unsexy to you now, but you've just got to shift your mindset. And again, you are a bad bitch and become super comfortable with these things. And when you learn how to use these things as tools, you might be saying right now, I don't care about LinkedIn, but when you see what can come from stuff like that, you're going to become addicted to it because you're going to know how to use all these things to generate a really nice income for yourself. But writing is not just a hobby anymore and that's okay. 
And that's something else I learned. Um, everyone says don't turn your passion into a paycheck because then you lose the passion for it. I think you definitely could yeah. if the business doesn't do as well as you want it to. That's but true. I love writing more than I did 10 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. I Like, since I started, it's like I knew this is what I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first started, like I said, I started Contact Mills January 1st, 2012. I needed more money coming in because I was trying to support my family and $8 an hour wasn't going to cut it. So um, I dove into text broker. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea what AP style writing was. The huh? only writing I did in college was 2001 when I was writing essays. I'm like, first time I ever wrote an essay too. So I had no, no clue. But I spent all that time researching on uh, Google about how to fix my style of writing. And it... It's not something that uh, I had any idea what I was doing, but as soon as I started going with it, I knew this is what I was going to do. I am a freaking writer, and yeah. that's what happened. I became a freaking writer. I love that. And you know, with you, you make a really good point. Um, I think freelance writers, everyone starting a business, they have to be very aware of the fact that there are a million things you don't know, but you have to take the initiative, you have to be proactive and say to yourself, what don't I know? Because I need to go learn about that. Mm, like yes. a lot of writers that come to me, um, I have another course that teaches, teaches you how to write a blog from start to finish, but a big part of that's SEO. Hmm. And I still get writers who are like, oh, SEO isn't my job. Yes, it is. Because this is something else I learned. Clients are going to pay you a lot more for results. Oh yeah. That's just churning out content. So if you can get your content to deliver results, you're going to make a lot more money yep. and that's topic research, keyword research, SEO, formatting, blah, blah, blah. Study those things. You are a lifelong student. We all are. The learning oh, yeah. never stops ever. That's yep. good. We're always that's, evolving. That was one of the most important things was learn SEO. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to know the inner workings of SEO, but you need to nope. learn how to write for SEO. And yes. when clients start saying that they bought a, blog post from me like I had one on textbooker that did this where they I did an open order and I completed it so I was getting like 1.4 cents a word so they loved it and then they came back for it because uh, they came back to me because I was actually doing really well on their website so they started buying um, articles directly from me at 3.9 cents a word because now oh, yeah. the, now they're paying me for my personal um direct order and so I can set the price on that anything I wanted and so they were actually yeah. throwing quite a bit of money at me because of the SEO I put in their article so yeah you got to learn SEO I totally agree with it you have to kind of learn how to do it all <laughs> and yeah. as, as mundane as it sounds it's worth it in the long run it is and eventually it becomes second nature you know some yeah. of my students researching keywords finding one keyword in the beginning it might they, they spend hours on it because they they just don't have the system down yet but now these days you know i can find a keyword that makes sense to write a blog around in a few minutes um sometimes it takes longer but you commit this stuff to memory it becomes second nature and then it becomes part of the writing process and like to this you know today this doesn't happen that often but when i have a client tell me oh don't worry about the seo i'm like Huh? And it's almost hard yeah. not to write around it. Right? <laughs> I don't know if I could. <laughs> I want to have it now. How do you yeah. not? <laughs> but they, some every now and then I get a client. They're like, oh, I don't care. 
okay, but I always cover my ass yeah. and I say, just so you know, it will be better if we do that. Yeah. Oh, They're called, yeah. God, I've had clients that tried doing like keyword stuffing where the keyword was in every sentence and I've, I've done some crap. <laughs> uh, let's see. What are we looking for? Okay, Megan, what can students expect to learn from your courses from Neo? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. So um, my writing course, which is called How to Blog Like a Pro, um, that's for writers, content creators. Um, and basically the course, we create a blog together from start to finish, starting with topic research, keyword research, all the way through formatting it, adding the images, the alt text, all that. So it's the entire process. And this is exactly what I do to write content that ranks. Um, so you learn the whole process in that one. And then in my client acquisition program, Revenue Spark, you learn my whole process for landing high paying clients. So um, the, the course technically starts with mindset, you know, getting you out of that imposter syndrome and eliminating toxic money beliefs and, you know, uh, that mindset of lack. We work yeah. on switching to a mindset of abundance and then we get into the nitty gritty. Like it all starts with your mind, everything. Yeah. Mindset is everything. Um, I might then you learn. It's, I'm telling, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I get people who are a little further in their careers and they're like, I don't know if I'll learn anything. And it never fails within the first few days. They're like, oh, cause it's good shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you also get all the, the details like sourcing leads, qualifying leads where to find them, what to say. You get all my scripts, all my templates. And um, I've had people, you know, students land clients within three weeks. Um, I had one student, uh, she used, she worked prior in, she was like an intelligence analyst or something like that. Um, she replaced her income within two and a half months. Um, nice. The people who take it seriously, they get really good results, which is always very fulfilling for me so that's pretty cool so if you're curious about her program if you click on her website it's in the description down below the link it takes you direct directly to megangrant.net and then you have the revenue spark button at the very top yes, thank you you're welcome um michael do you plan yeah do you plan on teaching courses outside of youtube i've actually been asked this a lot um and at one point I was going to, but then I got wrapped up with doing so many different things. Um, I, I would like to, I still think it might be something I'd, I'd wind up doing. Um, so probably, but uh, I don't know, because I am having a lot of fun. I do the audiobook for Despair, where I read my own writing and I add sound effects to the background. So I'm kind of recapturing the 1920s um, radio shows with the sound effects and all that. So I do that on Creative Sanctuary on YouTube and I have a lot of fun doing that. So I don't know what I would sacrifice right now to do a course, but after I get the ebook done, I might. So uh, Neo asks, what are the top five tools a freelance writer should have when they are starting out? That's a good question. Um... I would say a business PayPal hmm. yes. or some equivalent. Um, keywords everywhere. Yeah, that's it's a, good a Google Chrome extension. I think they have it for Firefox too. I, yeah, I think it's on Firefox as well. Um, you can start with the smallest package, which I think is $10. It lasts a very long time. I use it every single day. 
Oh, yeah, I use um, uh, Keywords Everywhere and Keywords Server at, mm-hmm. at the same time. <laughs> That's another good one. Well, I use, I use Keywords Everywhere alongside Ubersuggest. I got Ubersuggest installed, too. <laughs> yeah, there's a, you can use it for free. Um, so those would be... The next one isn't really a tool, so I don't know if this counts, but um, even if you don't have a website yet, which is okay, you need some sort of some place online where clients, potential clients, can see your work. Yes. If you don't have samples yet, it's okay. Just make up your own samples, put them in Google Drive, and when potential clients want to see your work, you just send them the link to the document, and that's it. I know some people who use uh, Vocal Media, Medium, or Hub Pages for stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, you can do that too. Um, I think the biggest thing is don't get stuck on not having a website. Because I know with writers especially, we're typically not super techie people, I feel like. At least that's the feedback I've gotten. So when you talk about getting even just a simple website up, they're like, no, 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 no. It's overwhelming. I've got five. (laughs) I don't know how you do that. (laughs) Buckaroo bonsai writing. (laughs) So much work. But I do have, the most important one, though, is my my primary is michaelbrockbank.com. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's um, probably one of your uh, best moves if you build a site to put it in your name, yes. if possible. Like megangrant.net, we all know what that is. I mean, pretty simple. Uh, Nat. Um, oh. michaelbrockbank.com has a link to everything I involve myself with on the Internet. So it's kind yep. of my my base of operations, essentially. Yeah. So, yeah, if you get a website, um, put it in your name or your brand, come up with a good brand. Um, yeah, I wouldn't go very long without having a website. No, it should definitely be a priority, but I would not use it as a reason not to start. Yeah. Um, and then some sort of, not a post-it like I did, but um, something like, Todoist or Trello, both of which you can use for free, just to keep you organized. Because I can tell you right now, in the beginning, you will be able, when you don't have a ton of work yet, you will be able to commit everything to memory. But that will very quickly get out of hand and stuff will start slipping through the cracks. So just save yourself a lot of trouble later on and have something very simple set up from the get go where you can keep track of all your assignments and everything you do. I tell you, uh, having a sauna has made the biggest difference in my productivity, both professionally mm-hmm. and uh, personally. So I know we start off with post-it notes and notepads, but the tech is there. Take advantage of it. Yeah, and some of it's so simple to use, and almost everything has a free a free version right, these days, yeah. and that's all you need. You don't have to go out and pay you know, a, a pricey subscription for anything. No, uh, I get... Uh, Trello has a great um, free program. Asana's got a great free one. Mm-hmm. I think Todoist has a free one, don't they? I mean, you can use... Are I mean, you talking about the Todoist? Yeah, or is there Todoist. A, you know, yeah, Todoist have a free. free. Yeah. Yeah. So there's all kinds of free ones out there to get you started. So, And yeah. until you get to a certain point where you're hiring a huge, massive team of writers or you have so many projects coming at you, the free version will probably last you for years. Well, I'm still on it. Yeah. I'm still on it. And, you know, like I said, I have no qualms investing to upgrade if I need to, but I really don't need to. Yeah. Yet. 
Um, how many was that? Did we name off five? We did. I think we probably did like six, five or oh, six. Oh. <laughs> so there you go, Neil. There's a whole bunch of. Okay, Spidey Lee 23. I will have to rewatch this. This is awesome, though. Glad to see you doing new things for us. I, I try. I'm excited because Megan Grant is our first guest on the podcast, and I'm really looking forward to editing it and uploading it to Spotify. Actually, you use Anchor. So uh, once the podcast goes up, it gets hit to six podcasting things at once. So Nice. I'm excited for it. Um, Samantha says, Michael has way too much time. Yeah, Michael has way too much on his plate right now. No <laughs> shit. You think? <laughs> Very astute, Captain Obvious. Uh, as or says, Michael is a rock that weathered the storm. Thank you very much. Uh, Ron Kincaid, Megan, do you advise using AI software to write content? They all know my opinion on it. If yes, which AI software do you like the best? No. No, you're going to put writers out of business. No. <laughs> and I've seen some of these and nothing, nothing yeah. ever a human touch, period. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, nothing I've seen some awesome stuff out of AI writers. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think that's going to be a threat anytime in the near future. No. No, I, I hope not. It, it's You know, I have to say, um, I was surprised by, by how good they are, at least the ones I've seen. But they're still not... It's still not the same as a person yeah, writing. Like, I can hear it. It's like when you... Well, there's... Depending on the blogger or the writer, um, you can kind of pick up on emotional status from when you're reading through someone's words because of the words they use, their, their word choices, uh, yeah. the things they add into a sentence. There's more of an emotional connection with an actual human writer, whereas yeah. an AI is just going to slap together the most common words that it thinks that you want to see. So it's going to miss a lot of stuff. It is. And you know what I noticed? It sounds... The samples that I've seen, it sounds like a child wrote them. It's very simple wording. And like you said, there's there's no emotion. There's no personality behind it. And some of what came out was completely nonsensical. Like, it was, oh, yeah. it was gibberish. God, I wish so, I remember some of them. Yeah, there was... We, we saw a few. I can't remember what they said now. But no, I would not recommend that. <laughs> nah. Never. I'm a, I'm a purist. Yep. I don't even like using my phone most of the time. Nah. Okay, well, I am out of questions. I was hoping Chris would have had some, but as, if anybody's watching has any more questions for um, Megan, she's still on. I don't know how long uh, you planned on being on. Uh, like I said in the email, Chris and I sometimes will go on for almost three hours, but we really don't have to. <laughs> we just, uh, essentially, we cover our topic, then we drink for the last hour. <laughs> Well, let's see, maybe if anyone has any, uh, Otto says, here's a one sentence horror story generated by open AI just now. Yeah. I was about uh, to give you oh, shit. Like, don't, don't suggest open AI. Don't suggest it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's the voices or the constant static, but I could swear I heard someone talking about me just before I turned off the radio. No, no. Turn the radio off and go home. No open AI. <laughs> That's actually not too bad, but it depends on the context. Uh, is that a tutorial on how to bake cookies or, <laughs> or what? <laughs> no, nothing beats a human being. 
Um, okay, Ron asks, Megan, what formatting tool do you use to publish your content on KDP? I don't remember. It was free. Oh. <laughs> I honestly don't remember because I've only done this once. Um, I can tell you to format the cover art. I just used their template and then did it on Canva. Woo. But that auto actually redid it using Adobe or whatever. He did it like fancy schmancy. Um, but I don't remember. I just remember it was a free tool and all I had to do was put my manuscript in and click a button and it, it did it all automatically. And you still want to skim through the pages to make sure the chapter headings are all aligned properly. But it really like the few mistakes I found in it were my, on me. Um, but yeah, they're super simple tools. If I can find the name, I'll pass it oh. along to someone, but I can't remember. Right now I'm using OpenOffice, or not OpenOffice, I'm using LibreOffice. And I'm getting ready to transfer uh, Despair and the ebook over to Scrivener. Uh, Scrivener has an awesome platform where you can keep notes of your story on the one side while you're writing on another, which is great when you have as many characters involved as I do and with more on the way. <laughs> so I'm having to go back and read uh, what I've already published on Wattpad, I'm like, God, I can't remember what the description of this guy is. So <laughs> I just spent like an hour trying to find it all. But, you know, having that extra like little notepad on the side there for your notes uh, helps a lot. And so Scrivener is free up to 30 days, but mm -hmm. they only count the days that you log in. So like if you install it on January 1st, but you don't use it until like July 30th, it's still free. It's That's only pretty cool. So essentially, it's thirty uses for free. So okay. it's only fifty dollars. So I'm debating on buying it. That's good. I've heard good things about that. And That's I good. think it also saves as EPUBs and PDFs. So um, that's what I plan on use. So unfortunately, Megan can't remember. <laughs> uh, just don't... was it like a? Do you know if it was a, a word like a? document type thing or was it an actual app that you used no it was just a, a free site i think yeah. i maybe created an account on it and you just upload your manuscript and you know when i was first trying to learn how to format it there i, I went on youtube to see who you know what other people are doing and some of them made it sound so technical and i thought oh my god i'm never gonna get this you don't have to know how to do anything you literally put it in there and it does it for you so yes. there is a there are tools out there that do that. You do not have to manually go in and do anything. Um, the whole thing is automated. Awesome. Mm -hmm. well, so hopefully she'll remember and make a video. <laughs> yes. yes, I'll look back on. Or let's see if you guys follow her on Megan Grant three 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 on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, maybe she'll find it and post it there. Yeah. Now, anyway, now I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> go back and find it but anyone watching um you can connect with me anywhere i'm on linkedin twitter instagram everything and just tell me you are here so i, I know it's you know where you yep. came from and she makes uh videos quite often on instagram i do i'm getting better about it i haven't made one yet but it's fun. uh yeah i i am so anti-social media <laughs> I suck I at it. a lot of writers like, are. We're I, introvert. I, I, I'm, well, I'm not very good at self-promotion. And that's what I feel like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are. And I just don't care. <laughs> 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 They're good platforms to use if you want to promote yourself. But I just don't give a shit. 
I should, but I don't. Uh, let's see. Uh, Patrick Miller says, woo, let's drink Mike. I'm already ahead of you, Patrick. Neo Soul Rider says, or asks, I'm still playing catch up on Megan's channel. At the moment, I am out of questions. Oh, that's okay. She's got quite a few videos, so. Um, Ron, Megan, I am studying Kindle Create to format Maconda on KDP. Don't know how good it is. Have you ever used Kindle Create? I think that might have been it. That might have been it. Huh? Maybe. <laughs> and it Maybe. worked. And I can tell you now, I've, I've had printed versions of my book delivered, and I have them. And like I said, the only mistakes I found were mistakes that I made, hmm. not what the program made. So when you, when you self-published your book, you're able to get printed copies and they came yeah. out, they came out okay? They like did, quality yeah. Wise? Yeah, they're they're. I honestly wasn't expecting much because it's you know it's print on demand, mm -hmm. and it's Amazon, so you don't always know what you're gonna get with Amazon. But <laughs> I was surprised when they when they got here. I was like, damn, they look good, and nice. it's it's quality. You know, it's paperback. They don't do hardcover, um, yeah. which is fine. But I was really surprised with the quality, especially considering that the the fees aren't terrible. Yeah. You the I think the royalty, like the the tier is. In my opinion, pretty good, especially considering it's print on demand. Yeah. You don't have to invest anything if you don't. You used to have to buy inventory. Oh, yeah. You had to buy hundreds of books. Angeline and Mom know about investing in that, so. <laughs> it's not cheap. So cool. Uh, it gives me uh, something to look forward to then, because I plan on doing mine. I wanted to be finished this month with it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty close, but. Uh, well, definitely next month. <laughs> I keep saying that, but it's getting... I, I'm serious. I'm like, this close. Um, okay, so it looks like we are out of questions. Um, mm -hmm. If anybody else has anything else they would like to ask Megan before we say goodbye. Um, it was a pleasure having it on. I'm really excited. Uh, I bet Chris is probably upset that he wasn't able to make it. Um, sometimes life happens, so... Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me on. It's always fun talking to another writer, and oh. um, hopefully, people in the chat, like I said, reach out so we can connect and stay in touch. Yeah, uh, pleasure was mine. Um, if anybody who's, uh, wants to watch Megan's videos, the link to her YouTube channel is in the description down below. Also, the link to her website, which has her Revenue Spark program on it. And is there anything else that uh, see they can? Your website has all your socials on it, so. It has all my socials. I've got lots of free content. If you want to start there, I've got free guides and a free email course and, uh, you know, my blog and YouTube. So there's lots of stuff to, uh, you know, to learn from. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just connect with me somewhere on social and let's stay in touch. Cool. Um, oh, here we go. Uh. This is probably from mom. Personally, I would never go self-publishing, but she actually, mom actually had a decent experience with her publisher. So, I've got, and I've got coffee mugs. I've got the necklace from the book. I've got my poster that needs to be put in the frame. I got mom went merchandising nuts. So it, <laughs> I've got a fridge magnet. Um, oh, cool. Well. Those who are watching are curious. This here is my mom's book. Um, oh, oh, it's going to be it's backwards because of how uh, Discord's running me at the moment. It's called Defiant Souls, 
And this is my sister's book, Angela. She's here in chat as well. Um, Quest Holders. Unfortunately, this isn't the whole book because her publishing house was going to break it up into bits and they went out of business. <laughs> so you can catch her whole book on Wattpad at uh, White Paw. Can't remember the number. I'm just promoting everybody today. <laughs> Very nice of you. Um, yeah, I'm just giving people enough time here to come up with any more questions before we say goodnight. I know there's like a huge massive delay between streaming and YouTube, which is weird because Twitch is like five seconds. YouTube is like almost a minute. It's, it was like this. Every live stream I've done on you, even without having Discord, like they're always slow. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Neo Soul Writer. Um, yep, Megan. Uh, Neil says thanks for coming on. And then mom, find a good editor and agent. Um, unfortunately, not everybody has the money for that. Well, it's like I'm going to have to do self publishing for um, my ebook. But the book that I'm working on that is my more serious one, it's seven, it's a horror novel. Uh, that I might wait for an actual house. So, but like I'm going to go ahead and publish a bunch of stuff. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> Get it out to the readers. Try it. Alrighty. Well, I guess we are done for the evening. Thank you very much, Megan, for being on the show. Um, Thank it was you. A, it was an awesome experience. I've uh, got to learn more quite a bit about you. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I'll have you on in the future. Yes, I would love that. Thank you, and right. thank you, everyone in the chat. You are welcome. Okay, so I guess, I guess I'll go ahead and hit... And stream. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a delay, I don't know what to go. So, anyway, I guess I will say goodbye to everybody. Uh, Chris will, I don't know if he's coming back or not, but um, he'll probably be on next Friday. I will be back on Monday night um, for my normal just kind of hangout drink bullshit stream. So, watch that. And I've got a lot of fun stuff to go over on the podcast for the health and fitness channel on Crossing, Colorado. <laughs> Mostly that I hurt. <laughs> Anywho. Um, I guess we can wrap it up. Uh, thank you for watching, everybody, and we will see you.